0: Left off. Colossians chapter 2. Now, if you remember, Paul's writing this letter under the power and the inspiration and the control of the Holy Spirit. This was not his doing. It is he was a vehicle or a vessel, a hand, a pen that is in his hand that God used to put God's words down on paper to help believers in a town or a city called Colossae. Laodicea, Ephesus, go on of his epistles. Again, he's sitting here writing a letter to people he did not know. He had never been to Colossae. He had never met the people in Colossae. So what would drive and inspire a man to write a letter to people, believers, in a, in, a, in, a, in a church that he never didn't know and has never been there to? Because the Holy Spirit drove him to write this. As an apostle Paul, he was driven to pray, as we will see, and to pray for those who are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And there's a lot of lessons here and understanding as we go through this for you and I today, because not only was this letter for the believers there in Colossae, but it are also the power of the Holy Spirit is showing and giving us to the Word of God to us today and it applies to us today. So hang on as we go through and understand we are complete in you, or complete in Christ, complete in him. Now, where's the connection here? God sent Paul out on a missionary trip and he started a church in Ephesus. He's a distance away from this town, Colossae. But here he spent time in Ephesus for three and a half years starting the church and ministering to the people and, and raising up leaders and helping people grow. And there was a man, a pastor out of that fruit of that ministry called Epaphras. Who was the pastor, as we understand, is the pastor of this church in Colossae? And he gets a report that things are, are good, but are, are things have been challenging because there are false teachers creeping in, like permeating like cancer into the healthy body of the church. It's slow and it's, and it's methodical by these false teachers to bewitch and to try to convince them to walk or to add to their simple faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So Paul is writing a letter to help them because Colossae is in danger of this false teaching coming into the church there in Colossae. We also will see here in verse 1, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, so he was, We see that the same false teachers are permeating over into that church as well. And as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, so yes, you have not seen my face per- personally. You haven't met me personally, but I'm writing this letter to you because I have a heart for you. I God is putting a heart. For you, And I'm writing to warn you, or to help you, or to guide you, or to teach you, to warn you as as a, what an apostle or as a pastor is to do with the sheep. To warn them of, of, of wolves, to warn them of false teachers that are coming in. So many times, it reminds me of how many times those who are in the world will say, Pastor, why do you get involved with those things that are going on that are... Um, uh, that are happening around in the world or in the church. Aren't you a pastor? Are they sheep? Aren't you just, just supposed to stay focused on the sheep that's in your in your in your in your church? But my response is like many I've seen and heard is, is, yes, I am to take care of the sheep here, but I'm also to be watchful of the wolves that also try to help hurt the sheep. And so Paul is saying, I see wolves coming in and around the church, and he's going to warn the sheep. And I'm warning you here today. There are false teachers, not, of course, in this church, not, of course, reaping into this church and creeping and permeating. Why? Because I can smell a wolf a mile away, and God makes sure I know that scent. And we come alongside to help that person. You know, you don't don't spread false things in this church let me encourage you with the word of God and help you to correct your ways. Why? Because we have the word of God to help those who deliberately or undeliberately thinking falsely. And the power of God will do that through the word of God. So as we see here and we read this, God is going to work in your heart and in, 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 in your minds if there's things that you've been watching on YouTube and watching and listening. And these may challenge you. But to understand, the Holy Spirit is here. You brought you here today to challenge you, to warn you, and to correct you if need be, or at least establish and encourage you to continue to be focused on Jesus Christ and add and not delete from that relationship. But he says here, the great conflict... The original word for conflict in the Greek is agon, or we get the English word agony. So he is in great agony for these people he's never met before. He's in great agony because he understands the potential of the risk or the the hurt that can happen within the body of Christ when false teachers come in and spread the things and causes people to become weak and be deluded in the understanding of the word of God. And they follow these false teachings. They become unsure of the foundation that they thought they had once had in Christ. Now they feel like they're missing something. Because these people are saying I'm missing something. I don't know why I'm feeling I'm missing something, but because they're telling me I'm missing something. That's what they call marketing, right? You're completely content until you watch the, 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 the ad or something that comes on, the marketing, and now you say, oh, I'm really hungry. I wasn't hungry, but now I just watch you know, the, the advertisement. Now I need to have something to eat. It, it, it goes on, and I didn't have to need a new car, but now I, based on this, I really need a new car. It's amazing that happens it's these people falsely coming in and permeating and you're taking in. You have to be very careful of what you take in and process that and say, well, Lord, I... that doesn't line up with your scripture. And then you just discount it. You just don't take it in. You don't partake of it. But he's sitting here. I have guy conflict because... As an apostle, even in verse 29 of chapter 1, he, was, he talked about he was striving. These are military terms. These, I mean, athletic terms. They're, I'm, they're getting up every day, and he's working out and working out and working out for the Olympics. And he's striving, and he's working hard to attain the goal. That is what it's all about. He's striving, he's in agony to, for those people he's never met. And verse 2, he says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knitted together in love and attaining to all the all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he says here, Paul is saying here, he's going, I'm concerned. I want you to be encouraged in your relationship with Jesus and that you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. That is who you base your foundation of your life. It's a cornerstone of your life. Everything lines up with that that foundation in your relationship with Christ. But he says, I want you to be encouraged. Why? Because a believer who is discouraged is that becomes a weak sheep and becomes possible prey for the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and the and the devil himself. So Paul understands if the body of Christ is healthy and they're encouraging one another in their faith. That's why you want to meet with your brothers and sisters. You want to have a cup of coffee with them. You want to encourage them in their walk. You want them to bring them back to the word of God as their foundation and remind them of the truth. Because if you do that, you're you're helping that brother. You're helping that sister to understand not to become discouraged in their walk in this world. Why? Because it happens. Paul knows. When you get discouraged, you will turn your natural bent. Your natural bent is to turn to the things of the world that constantly are trying to get things into your life. You're, you're feeling empty and dry. Not because you need to spend more time in Christ. Oh, of course not. But you, you need a new car or you you need, you need to buy more things. You need to go pamper yourself. You need a spa day. You, you, know I mean? you Always, if it's not the world, it's the flesh, or it's the devil. Demonic forces itself trying to get you to walk away from the truths and the foundation of what God has, has you at. There's nothing new to the sun. Satan convinced Eve <laughs> she had to have it perfect. Absolutely perfect. And what did you do? A deceiver is a deceiver. And the enemy is a deceiver. And demonics will come in and just whisper, are you sure that's what God said? And if you don't know the word of God, you may be actually convinced that what you thought was true Nah, this Orthodox Christianity. I've been lying my whole life in church. My parents have been telling me this. The pastors have. Been doing it. I went. No, uh, nah, this can't be true. Hey, you really gotta. You gotta add this. It's not enough. You gotta go back. No, watch. Watch what happens. Because Paul's gonna deal with that mindset right here. That the enemy comes and tries to tell you, what you have in Christ is not enough. Watch. So he says, I want to encourage you because if you're not encouraged you're at you're at risk of, of being preyed upon being being captured he also says being knitted together in love you need to stick together my brothers and sisters you need to be knitted in you need to be you see, notice knitting knitting is not two separate pieces of yarn God has brought you together as a body, remember? The body of Christ is a representation of the body. You know, the thumb doesn't sit over here, and the left arm sits over here, and the other leg goes over here, and the heart's over there. If it's separated, you're dying. You're going to die. If you take two yarn, you knit it together, there's only warmth that comes from the blanket if it's knitted together. In love. The word here, the, the, the original language here, love is agape love. Your unconditional love as we gather together as brothers and sisters. Our commonality, our foundation, our found, our, that links us all together is our relationship with Christ. And because of that, it doesn't matter anything else after that. It doesn't matter your, your economic status. It doesn't ma- matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what you're, where, you, where you came from or what state you come in and, and what you sound like. None of that matters. What, what, what matters, and the only one that causes people to th- even think of those things as divisional things, are the things of the people who follow the things of the world and the things of the flesh and are Demonic. Those who tell you that those are divisional things that you cannot socialize or be part of because of those factors, that's demonic. They're worldly. It's fleshly. You and I are not to touch it. And when you see it, call it out as you see it. It's false teaching. And you call it out. Because it will cause disunity within the body of Christ. We can see it played out on everywhere we look today, the enemy and the devils having a field day dividing and conquering the, the body of Christ, because of false teaching. Under, in the many cases, under the auspice and the title of there being a church. It's, it's absolutely insanity. But that why we're so into making sure we study the word of God and read the word of God and talk about the word of God so that you and I are not going to be deceived and cause disunity. And the love, the ungapi love will become no longer love within the fellowship. It becomes a divisional piece. And you will just segment and you will have little clicks. When you see clicks, that means that something's not right in the body. Did you know that? Something, part of the body is trying to reject the rest of the body. We call it cancer. That's why there's no there's no clicks here. I'm so praising God that there's no clicks here. There's no there's just oneness in this body. I am praising God constantly because we understand that we dwell together in unity. A oneness because our foundation is in Christ. And so he's encouraging. Be encouraged or the enemy's going to come after you. The flesh will rise up. The world is going to cre- creep in. Stay together, knitted together. Don't allow the false teachers to come in because if you allow someone to come in and teach something that goes contrary to the word of God and you don't say something, if you don't deal with it and don't face to face and hit it head on, then you're going to have a problem because that false teacher's going to get in and might take out one of your brothers and sisters. You're not going to do that because you love them. You're going to call them out on it. I saw your Facebook. That Facebook, is, what you stated, was absolutely contrary to the word of God. I'm going to call you out on it. Why? Because we're friends, aren't we, on Facebook? <laughs> Don't that give me the ability to communicate with you? Because we're friends. You quickly find out if they're really a friend when you warn them that they're teaching falsely. But look at what else he says. Attaining to all riches of the fullness of full assurance of understanding. Do you understand your relationship with Christ gives you full assurance? Full assurance. You don't have to sit there and go, I have full assurance, but do I have to go buy something for an additional uh, warranty to keep this going long term (laughs) into eternity? Hey, you laugh. But many Christians today who don't understand the full assurance you have in your relationship with Christ absolutely try to purchase an additional policy to give you an additional assurance that you get to go to heaven. We call that works mentality. A legal mentality. That you have to go to church. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to dress a certain way. You have to do it. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's your additional policy <laughs> to make sure you go to heaven. Do you know that's legalism? That's false teaching. You have full assurance. See, because many people do not, or they lack that full assurance. They, have that, they don't have that full assurance of God's character. What do, what do I mean by that? They don't know that their father is a loving father. That he, you have a good, good father in heaven. That you, you don't have full assurance. Now you say that and you'll sing it occasionally because that's what's up, the words are up there. But, but your, your actions and your behavior doesn't line up with the fact that you really understand who God is and that your father is a good, good, loving father. Because the things that come out of your mouth and your actions and your depressions and your emotions and whatever you want to name it. Lines up the fact that you see your heavenly father like your earthly father. And your earthly father, many people did not have a godly earthly father. So they walk with not that full assurance of who their heavenly father is because they think of their earthly father. But God is saying, you have full assurance of who God that you rest your entire life upon, who he is. He's a good, good, loving father. Now, some people don't have the full assurance of salvation. They, they, they remember, I, I know, I remember the day I gave my life to Christ, but every Sunday they're constantly asking for to give their life to Christ. Because they don't have that understanding of the full assurance they have once they give their life to Christ and Christ comes in, the mystery of God. Remember, we, we just read that this last week. It, the fact that Christ lives in you, the glory of God. That you're saved. You have full assurance. I know you don't feel like it some days. I know you've messed up and you don't want to do it anymore. You've messed up. But that doesn't take away your salvation. Why? Because you have full assurance. Of what God has done in your life. He saved you. It's his free gift. He's he's not taking it back. Now some people don't have have the full assurance. Of who God is. or, or, Or their salvation. But they don't have the full assurance. That they actually have eternal life. That they're really going to heaven. Is this really. This Christian life really temporary? That. This is not my home, that my home is in heaven, and God is went to prepare a place for me? That this is temporary, that this is not all there is to life? Now how do I know that you have a struggle with that? How do I know if I have a struggle with the fact that I don't have a full assurance of eternal life? The way I talk and the way I live. Because if you really knew what heaven was like, if you really knew what the scriptures said about heaven. You and I should be looking with great anticipation daily for God to take us home. I am. I don't know about you if you've got around me long enough, you know, soon and very soon, why do you think we sing that every Sunday? Because I want you to know your eternal, full assurance that your, your home is in heaven with God, for eternity. He has sealed you for eternity. That I don't have to go looking in this world to be fulfilled, to get my fullness. I don't have to buy it anymore. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to accomplish it. I don't have to climb tall mountains. I get to do all those because I'm free to be able. I have the liberty to do those things. But that doesn't make me full. That doesn't make me complete. I'm complete in him, not in the things of this world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that we see in the scripture is what dominates someone who doesn't have the full assurance in their relationship with Christ. Paul is saying to him, the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, my brothers and sisters, you have full assurance. Breathe in and out for me. Just rest in your relationship with Christ. Enjoy this life that God has given you. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's pain. There's suffering. But you're going home. This is all light, temporary, light affliction, the scripture says. And that he's going to give you the power. He's not going to cause you to go through something that he's not going to empower you to walk you through that dark valley. You have the full assurance he's with you through the dark valleys, not just the mountaintop experience. Do you believe it? Can I get an amen here? It's finished. It's complete. You just have to believe. You've got to settle that in your heart and to believe. And how does that happen? By continuing to study and, and, and read the Word of God. That's how it works, my brothers. There's no, there's no other quick, quick fixes here. You know, just don't pop a Sunday morning pill and you're all better. And I can go out there and continue to live my life however I want to live. So what does he say here? That you have this full assurance to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. This mystery of God, this term, that we've seen a couple of times already. We've seen three mysteries so far, of the mysteries of God. Let me, for you taking notes, go back and write down the, the fact that we first, the first one we saw was in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 26. That the church as the body of Christ, the mystery of bringing the Jews and the Gentiles all to under, into the body of Christ. What a mystery of God. That wasn't revealed in the Old Testament like it was after Christ's resurrection. The second one is in verse 27 of chapter 1 of Colossians. The indwelling Christ in you, the hope of glory in each and every believer. The Christ, the Spirit of Christ lives in you. Never to leave you and never to forsake you. And then just now, the revealed Jesus, the treasury of all wisdom and knowledge, the mystery of God. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. Ooh, this is not looking good. Oh, I don't know, where am I, get some, where am I going to get some information or knowledge to deal with this? Better start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Why? Because he's all-knowing. Your, 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 your brother, your sister, your best friend, they don't know it all. I know they think they know it all. <laughs> and they tell you they know it all. They act like they know it all, but they don't know it all. But you may have a bunch of knowledge. You've, you've, you've uh, Googled it all to death. Got all the knowledge. You're the Google queen. But let me assure you, my brothers and sisters, knowledge for the sake of knowledge is just going to cause you to bloat up and expand and and bloat and pop on me. It's just going to puff you up and pride will dominate your life. The thing is, is when you get knowledge on something, The question is you need wisdom to apply applicable, apply it properly to the situation at hand. Many people are brilliant. God has given them a brain like unbelievable. And they can read something and repeat it back and memorize it and quote you chapter, verse, and all kinds of stuff. But when you look at their life, they cannot apply it. They do not follow it. They don't know what they're doing. They're just knowledge. But God wants, it says, you come to me and I'll give you knowledge and wisdom. Now that's encouraging for me who barely made it through high school. If it wasn't for the fact that God gave me the ability to do sports, I don't know where I would have been. But God has given the ability to give you knowledge and wisdom. I mean, don't get it scripturally. The disciples, the fishermen, the blue collars, the, the ones that didn't go to the seminary or go to the college and the universities. God had selected them. And what did they, remember what happened as they were walking and going about? What did the people say? When they spoke, the words were in such depth of knowledge and wisdom. What happened? You've been with Jesus. Oh, the religious people today. Oh, the churches of religious people. It just, when we first started in 2011, it was, the, it was one of the things the enemy tried to use all the time in, the, in trying to divide the conqueror. The, the, the church. Now, does your pastor, what seminary did he go to? What doesn't, I don't see a PhD in the end of his title on the on his website. And where is, what school? Oh, what kind of school? He didn't go to school? What do you mean he didn't go to school? What do you mean he doesn't have the PhD? And you know, blah, 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 in seminary. How quickly the things of this world and the wisdom of man tries to discount or as we see here, empty deceit to the people of what God can do through a person's life. Did Peter go to school? Did any of the disciples go to school except for Paul here? Paul was the Pharisees of Pharisees, one of the most highly educated, well-versed, well-spoken individuals. And he was used through that religious experience of seminary, was killing Christians off. And then God got a hold of him. And what did we read in the scriptures? He says in the scripture, he says, I know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Do you notice how he threw out all of the education that the worldliness gave him as a Pharisee? He says, I count it all as refuge. It's all about Jesus and what He shows me and reveals to me by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching of the Word of God. Now, how about you? That should encourage each and every one of us to know that the Holy Spirit that lives inside you can teach you all things you need for your life and according to His will and plan. Hold on to the Word of God and read it. Study it. Talk about it. Meditate on it day and night, the scripture says, and watch God do a work in your life. But he says, Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. He says here in verse 4 that these Colossians, be careful if you're not staying encouraged, you're not staying in love and knitted together and love in the fellowship, if you take your eyes off of the fullness that Christ gives you in that relationship, He's God. If you take your eyes off that, someone with very persuasive words are going to come in and will deceive you. He'll tell you you need to do something more to add to your religious experience. It's no longer can you just simply... Just rest and worship him and study his word. You need to be entertained. So churches are turning into entertainment centers. People are looking, I need to be entertained, not to be taught. I need to be entertained. They've been deceived. I need... I, need, I don't need a simplicity, you know, one-on-one with God and praying with Him. and things. I, I don't need to nourish that. What I need is an organization, a social club to be able to go. And that, that's going to help me in my relationship with God. So churches are turning into social clubs. They're not teaching the Word of God. They're not even in warning the sheep of what's going on. They're allowing people to come and go as they free will because they're all about numbers. So we find here, be careful of persuasive words because they're going to be told you need to be entertained. The fact that you need to have this organization, you need to have committees, and you have to have this, and you have to be organized, and you have to have a certain way, and dress a certain way, and you have to eat a certain way, and you have to do, these things permeate even in the churches today. And it's so subtle. It sounds so good. But don't be deceived with these persuasive words. You need to simply read and study the Word of God and draw close to Him. Because false teachers will move you away from the Bible to other materials they have developed. And anytime you can always detect that false teacher when they says, "We are, well, we got five minutes in the Word of God, but let me tell you about my book." Now we're going to come together. We're not going to study the, word of the book of Colossians. I wrote a book, and that's the book we're going to study. Anything like that, you can see the creeping in of false teaching into the Bible of that church. Because it's less emphasis on the, on the word of God, Jesus himself, and on what man has accomplished. And if it's not the pastor, it's, it's someone he has read, and they're bringing their book in, and, 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 and teaching their book. The philosophy, as we will see, the philosophies of men. Be very careful what you listen and partake of. For, verse 5, for though I am absent in the flesh. I'm not there with you presently. I'm not there personally in your presence. Yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, Paul says, "I don't have to be there in person. I'm in prayer with you. I'm in spirit. That's the same connection. You're the same spirit in you. The Christ in you is in me. And when I pray for you, it's like I'm in your presence. I can pray and intercede for you because that is the same spirit. And I can. Be, I, that's how do you think mothers and grandmothers have such influence on the children? And you're not around." And you think you've gotten out of the house and you don't have to listen to mom and dad anymore. You you have no idea. If your mom and dad are praying, you can't run far enough. Because in by spirit, they're interceding to the one who is and can reach out and put a touch on your life. Moms, dads, continue to pray for your children and your grandchildren. And anyone else that God puts on your heart and now with technology send them a text and let them know you're praying for them because yes you're not there with them doesn't mean in spirit you're not as Paul says here tremendous influence of the power of prayer guess what is the most hardest and difficult thing as a Christian to do pray exactly I know everyone here has that same challenge as I do is to simple pray to God Almighty for a particular person or situation. Every distraction, every excuse seems to just flood in at that moment. And you might get a one-minute prayer out. (laughs) Five minutes? Are you kidding me? But guess what? The scripture tells us we are to be what? Pray without Ceasing. What does that mean? That means you're not sitting there doing nothing in life and not working. <laughs> you're, every time God brings it into memory, you're constantly praying for that person or that situation. Praying without ceasing. Constant. Little here, little there, it's just constant. But He says, I'm not there in person but in spirit I am, and I'm rejoicing. Why? Because I see good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ, and those are military terms, order and steadfast. You are in line. You're, there's no, there's not chaos. There's not confusion. Everyone knows their position. Everyone knows their one single mindedness. They're going to battle against the enemy here, and everyone is like-minded. They're not having their own agendas. They're not doing their own thing. They got their roles responsibility. I know I'm a thumb, and I'm going to be the the best thumb in that body because I know that thumb can help somewhere else in that body because anytime someone goes out of rank goes out of order is not steadfast it weakens the entire what it weakens the entire army and it brings a weakness where the enemy can get in and to break down But Paul is encouraging, saying, I am here not in present with you. I am in spirit with you. And I know that you're staying steadfast in good order and steadfast in your faith in Christ. Notice that he said, I'm so glad you're staying in order and steadfast because of the church. No. The church as an organization, the building. I'm so glad you're staying in order and steadfast because the pastor told you so. No. No. You're in good order and steadfast, and you're a good little Christian boy because, because your mom makes you. No. You're not in order and steadfast because you're being threatened. No. They're doing it because their relationship with Christ is number one in their life. And no one and nothing else will get between you and your Lord. And once you get that settled, my brothers and sisters, and that's going to take time. And, and actually, Paul actually, Paul actually is going to help you with that. If you're struggling with that, look at what Paul says here, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. There you are, my brothers and sisters. There's the answer to to your question. But how did it happen? Well, think back. Think back to the day of salvation for you. It started when you recognized something in your life was not going right. You're falling apart. You're spinning out of control. Everything seems to just... Whoo! Going bad. And whatever it is, is gripping you and taking you down. And all of a sudden you recognize and you hear by the Spirit of God speak to you and you come to realize that what you're dealing with, that drunkenness, is a sin. And it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be let go. It's hurting you. It's going to kill you. It's got to go. But you've tried. Every time you thought you were just going to vomit out your gut, you said, I'll never do that again. And again, and again, and again. I know I'm not supposed to watch that on the, on the internet. I'll never do that again, and again, and again. Again. And again, at some point you heard the Spirit of God say to you, you're a sinner that needs to be saved. You heard it. You heard the Word of God for the very first time, and you just knew that you needed to change. A, I, I, I don't know if I call it a sinner. I just know that I need to change. I don't know if it's called sin. I just know I don't, I don't, that's killing me. I, I need to get that out of my life. And once you understand, you recognize I'm a sinner and I need to acknowledge that truth. I need to be saved. And I heard someone else and I looked, I read in the, in the Bible, someone taught the Bible and said Paul was Saul of Tarsus and he was killing people. He was a religious leader and he was killing Christians. And now he's Paul, the apostle, and he is now dying for Christians. How did that happen? How can that happen? I knew this person who was completely drugged down on heroin and now he doesn't even touch it and wants nothing to do with it. How did that happen? I want the pill. And if you're religious, you'll say, Oh, I'll give you the 12 step and I'll do the do si do and you do this and stand on your head and do. No. Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me. So you did. I believe you are Jesus, you are the Son of God, and you give forgiveness of sins, and you can forgive me of my sins. And then you said, I believe Jesus was buried and rose again and rose on that third day. I believe it. I don't don't understand it all. I, I just know I read it, I know I heard it, and I believe it. And then you say, I put my trust, my faith in Jesus as my Savior and my salvation. Then you said, "I am turning away from my old ways. I'm not going back. I'm not returning to that again." Why? Because my relationship with Christ is now more important. According, I want to go his way. I don't want to go my way anymore. And change takes place. I give my life to you today. I surrender it to you. That's, that's how the pattern happens for every single one of us who are truly saved. And once you're there, you realize this is the same. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's the very beginning. And if that has not happened, the rest of this, this, as we line out here, Paul lines out six steps of progress as a Christian. The first one is giving your life to Christ. And if you're not born again, the rest of the five steps are not going to apply to you today. but you can give your life to Christ today. You hear God talk to you right now saying that you're a sinner that needs to be saved. And are you willing to repent? Are you willing to turn away from what you're doing and follow Jesus' way and surrender all? Put a number one in your life. Do it by faith. I'm telling you, you're not going to figure it all out in the first step. But because Paul is going to encourage you, and I'm going to encourage you, and the Holy Spirit encourages you right now. Look at what happens once you've given Then take that first step. Jesus then says, as Paul writes here, he says, then what you're going to do is, is walk with him. Yes. You're just, you're going to walk with him. That's it. it. That's, that's just as simple as it is. It's not complex. There is no rules and written down. You know, some of us are accomplished type people. You have to accomplish things. So give me the list. Show me the list, pastor. Tell me what I have to check off. And I'll do that every day, and I'm really good and obedient, and I'll check those off. And I've accomplished my list, and I feel accomplished, and I must be really pleasing God now, and he'll love me more, and i will get that a little bit more of assurance policy. I'm going to heaven. No, my brothers and sisters, that's how it works. Once you're saved, you have full assurance. You have completeness. You're going to heaven. Now you need to mature. So Paul's giving you a six steps, a dose, and that's not a dosy do here moment here. It's all you- what you do is once you give your life to Christ, start walking with him. What does that mean to walk with him? Read and study the Word of God. He's the Word, John 1-1. He is the Word. Why would you want anything else? Why would you want anyone else? be number 1 in your life. And as you walk, as you study, as you learn and you grow in understanding of who this relationship and how that relationship is, then what's going to happen is you'll see the third progress in a Christian's uh, uh growth and maturity or progress in a Christian life, you'll become rooted Rooted means the roots are coming from your, as a tree is going to go down into the roots. It's like Psalm 1 3. You're you're a tree planted by the rivers of water, and as you take into the nourishment of the rivers of the water, the Word of God, you're going to have roots that will go out and be so healthy. Then it will result in what? You will be built up in Him. You'll see, you'll grow as a tree, you will grow. You will not be the same person you were a year ago, a six months ago, ten years ago. You should not be. If you're really saved, you'll see change. You'll desire to walk with him. You'll desire to read the word of God. And as you take it in, you're going to sense a freshness. You're taking in water. You're going to there's a change. It's something's different about my life. And you're going to start seeing growth in you. This change is taking place. Look, you look different. You act different. You talk different. And then what does Paul say? Then as you're building up in him, then you get established in the faith. You're set. You're not movable. You're solid in understanding of the truths of God. And what happens after that is that you will then be, as you were taught, if you notice, you have to be taught. Some people are so prideful. I don't need to go to church, and I don't need to learn nothing. I just YouTube it. And pick and choose whatever tickles my ears, and that's what I love, and it's really good, and it's entertainment, and i don't have to deal with people. Check your heart, my brothers and sisters. Because part of the teaching is your brothers and teachers in fellowship. And if you did not know that, that's the first time you ever heard it, you need to keep coming. Because you need to grow in understanding of the word of God. That's why God said, do not forsake the fellowship. So, you've been taught. And what will happen? Abounding. Abounding. Overflowing. Overflowing the the banks. Water is going to be gushing over the banks. Abounding in with thanksgiving. So how does that all play out? Let me give you an analogy. I've been sitting there and I'm looking at my backyard and I'm sitting there I'm missing something. Something in my life is missing. I don't know what it is. I've tried to figure it out. I've planted a little few things here and all that. There, but there's something missing in my backyard. And I have come to realize what I'm missing and everyone keeps telling me I'm missing it is something really important. And I need to be planted, a tree, I need to be planted right there, a tree. I mean, I remember people telling me, and I needed a tree. So I finally made a decision: yes, I need a tree. And I plant it, water it. Roots are growing. I don't know it; it's under the ground. I don't know. They're just—I know the roots are something doing something doing with the roots. Why? Because eventually, I'm seeing it build up. The tree seems to get taller and bigger. then it gets established and then it becomes abounding it becomes fruitful it's beautiful but do you know that's the Christian life my brothers and sisters you'll meet someone who will come into this church and they're just you listen to their story and it's just grieving to hear the story of what their life and their past their childhood their present and everything it's just sad and they're sitting there I don't know what I need. I feel empty. I don't know where to be. I don't know where to be planted. I'm just looking. And I always ask every new person, what are you looking for? Because I know if you're not looking for Jesus, then you're looking for all the wrong reasons. But we've had hundreds of people come here since 2011. And all of them have different stories. I'm looking for the, the music. I'm looking for a certain type of music. I'm all about the music. I'm really all about the children's ministry or the youth ministry. You know, i got to have a certain youth ministry because my children need to be saved, and only the youth ministry is going to do that. I come here because it's social, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a single parent. That's where this this the... the, the where I'm at at this point in my life, and I need, I need lots and lots and lots of friends to help me to babysit and do other things. And then I've got someone come in and say, what do you hear there, bro? As he's scanning for the next female he's looking for. <laughs> That's a, laughter doesn't mean that that person's thinking those kinds of things or anything, you know. But here, Think about this. Think this through a little bit. It is nothing more beautiful to watch someone come because God led them. They get planted right there. Not that we have assigned seats. But that's their chair. They love that chair every Sunday. And they come every Sunday when they can regardless of how they feel. And they get nourished by the reading of the word of God and they're taking it in to a point where all of a sudden they're saying, you know, I'm reading the word of God at home. Pastor, what about that that reading plan that you had? Can I have the reading plan? I'll tell you a quick story. I'm telling you more stories than I know, ever do. I just had someone call me that was part of the Second wave of people. You know, if you've been around here, we've had waves over the, since 2011. We fill up, and then all the military go and PCS and go back home, and then we, God fills it back up, and then they go, they're here for a year, two, three years, and all of a sudden they go back out, and they're all PCS and go around. But we had this military people call me, and they've been gone since 2014. Fourteen. How many years is that? Five years. I was completely blessed. Their oldest son now is almost ready to graduate. He was a little guy being taught here. Calling and saying, Pastor, I'm making some major decisions. Where in the scripture do I find this? Even better, separate and distinct. Parents didn't know it. The Parents called. We Facetime. We, we're Facetiming and talking to people who've been here, ministering to them. They're now pastors and elders and deacons. All people, all different status, all around different churches now today. But they call and say, "Can you rem- can you remind us of that that seven day plan, reading plan? We really need to get back into the Word of God. And I know that was so healthy for us five years, six years ago. Do you see the impact you can have on the lives of people? But here, back to the story. So the tree is planted. The person keeps coming. That person keeps coming. They're taking the word of God. Now they're reading the word of God. They're studying the word. Now they're showing up for men's study. This is incredible. This is beautiful. But people around, they're sitting there. I don't know. He's kind of still unstable. You know, he doesn't always come every time. And sometimes things slip out of his mouth. It doesn't sound right. And he kind of, you know, as he's saved. Wait a minute, brothers and sisters. Where's the grace here? Give him time. He's got to progress. He just gave his life to Christ. He's just now trying to learn how to walk. It starts first. You're, you're, you're a baby. You're just as a Christian. You're ah, I'm a Christian. You're just crying. And you know someone has to feed you because you can't feed yourself. Be patient. Be, be, be patient. And then eventually they're going to learn how to feed themselves. Why? Because you keep putting the spoon in their mouth. You keep putting the Bible in their mouth. You keep asking them to pray. And you're like, oh, I don't want to pray. I'm going to just cry if you make me ask to pray again. But then, as they continue to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and taking in the word of God, they start coming, they get rooted. It's really established. And you start seeing they're there. They're not not shaky anymore in their their understanding of who Christ is. And then once they got rooted, all of a sudden you're watching over the next few months to years, you see them growing and maturing as a godly man. Right in front of your eyes, I can tell you there's nothing greater than a, than a pastor. I was going to say a parent. You kids, right? three, John four. <laughs> John even said, you're, I, there's no greater joy than to see their children uh, to grow and to learn, right? And you're watching this young man grow up, maturing, being built up, and then he gets established when people start challenging him on his faith and he is so solid and he has gotten so set in understanding of the truths of God, he is giving the word back to them in a loving way to help them because he has a passion to help save the lost. That's maturing. There's one more step. As he continues to grow and nourish nourish and being rooted and built up And and establish, watch the abounding life of thanksgiving come from his life. Yes. There's fruit. There's thanksgiving. He is so thankful for what the little that he has or a lot he has or where the status or the the situations he finds himself. He is a grateful, thankful young man because he knows God is in control and is part of God's plan and God's gonna use this for his life and he's gonna be going forward because he has that full assurance of salvation. He has that full assurance of a relationship with Christ. He knows that his father loves him. He knows that his savior saved him. He knows he's got eternal life There's nothing going to stop him. And he just wants more of God working through his life. So abounding, the water's flowing. And he remembers the very first day he took the glass of water. He's so parched. He's so dehydrated from life and ravages sin. And he takes the drink of water and he's saved from dying. He took the glass of water that was offered to him by from his Savior. And he took it. But notice this. One's life, as we see in John 7, right there in the middle of John chapter 7. (laughs) 36, 37 verses, somewhere in that area. You have to go read John chapter 7. You'll know what I'm talking about here. But you take the drink of water. And then all of a sudden, you're partaking of the, the artesian well you're just bathing of the well of waters always right there for you but as you mature and grow it will look, turn into a point where your life becomes a river of water flowing from your life and now it's no longer you just partaking and benefiting now everyone around you who is dry and dying of thirst can now partake of your life and you lead them to the Savior who gives that life. Do you see how simple it is, my brothers and sisters? Continue the good fight. Stay grounded in Christ, and Christ alone. Don't get wrapped up in programs. Don't get wrapped up in organizations. Don't get wrapped up in false teachings. Don't just continue to come back to the word of God and watch the thankfulness. You know when you know someone, you're talking to a, a Mature Christian? Paul says, at the end of this stage of your life, you'll be thankful. Even in the most deepest, darkest valley God has taken you into and walking you through, you're still thankful. You're talking to a mature Christian. Amen? Oh, we've got to continue. You know me. I keep... T- Verse 8, beware now. He, now in the last few verses, he's going to warn you, right? He's going to warn us. He's warning the, the believers in Colossae here. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men and according to, uh, to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So he says right there, beware. That's what pastors do. That's what Apostle Paul did. God uses us to warn the people, to warn the sheep. Beware of of anyone who cheats you. Again, that cheat you is a very interesting term there. It means leading you away as a prey. Or a military term, being carried off as a captive. Someone's going to come in and captivate you and take you away from the truth. You've got to be very, very careful. How are they going to do that to you? probably not bodily but they're going to do it with their persuasive words their philosophies of the world they're going to permeate it in into this religiosity kind of conversations and you're not even going to notice it because 99 percent of what they're telling you is completely absolutely you know it's the one percent that you could die from that you could be led and captivated from so he says don't let it cheat you, don't let it be captivate you, don't, let, don't allow that to happen. And false teachers, that's what they do. And I don't know the statistics, I'm going to go back and research it. I believe it's 80% of Mormons coming to Mormonism, is all, 80% of them started off in the Christian church. So false teachers and cults do not prey on non-believers, they prey on churchgoers. And they look for those who do not know the word of God. And most of the churches today do not teach the whole counsel of God. They only teach the New Testament, not the whole Old Testament. They only teach certain topics because those are fun to talk about. I mean, trust me, you've heard me many times. There's time we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. I cannot miss anything. And there's some topics in there that are hard to teach you. Why? Because those are sensitive subjects. They're not easy to talk about those things. Wait till we get to Song of Solomon. I, I hope it's another five years, but eventually we're going to get to it if you're with us. If you know what that if you've ever read that book, you know what I'm talking about here. But I'm going to teach you the whole thing. Why? Because as a pastor, if I rel- love you, why would you not teach you everything, even the sections to to beware? Be I mean, think about Paul. Only by the power of God is writing this letter to people he doesn't know, and he's warning them and telling them this is going to happen if you're not careful. It's the same thing for here. I'm telling you, there's a warning that he's giving us here. Someone's going to try to cheat you. There's Someone's going to try to do this, and they're going to do it in a couple of ways. Through philosophy, through this Gnosticism that we see, this Greek philosophy or this local traditional religious or Jewish mysticism. There was an eclectic mixture of these types of things that was happening. And it happens today, my brothers and sisters. You can go out. No, don't go out there. Don't go out there and YouTube it and check. Just trust me. It's already been out there because most of you in here, if you fellowship, you probably can learn from someone else. Where you went out searching for things to learn, and you then become bewitched. You all of a sudden say, "You know, my church doesn't offer me everything that that church offers me," and you really think you're missing out on something because they have they have food every day. and they got. They got full bands, and they got better. No, they don't have better coffee, I assure you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was not of the Lord. Let that, let, let that one go. Um, but what they do is through tradition of men. You have to sing a certain songs. You've got to go back to the, the hens only. You can't have instruments. You can, only, you can only play maybe piano, even though they didn't have pianos back then. I was always curious of that logic. Let's get the harp. Anyone have a harp? We're looking for a harp. So if anyone has a harp in their back, in their closets, and you need to be on a... We're willing to have you add a harp. I'm okay with that. We'll call it the guitar. How's that? But traditions of men. You don't have a choir. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have this. And you get pulled in to think that your relationship with Christ... And understanding of who he is is depending on those things that you see and want to experience. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you can get it. You can go chase it. That's why I have the freedom, and we have the freedom here at Calvary Chapel. We don't have membership. I don't trap you. I don't kind of contain you. I don't kind of manipulate you. I I don't force you to keep you in a church. By through membership. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but that's what happens many times. You have the freedom. If you don't like something particular, you have the freedom to go wherever that's offered. You have freedom. I just want you to be in Christ. I want you to grow in Christ. Just make sure it's about Christ. And eat the food while you're learning about Christ. <laughs> you know, But you have the freedom. We don't do membership because... We're, we're a child of God. We're in his family. I don't need to be in a member of an organization. I am a child of God. I don't need to add to feel like I'm somehow better religiously. Don't be deceived. If that's what you think. Becoming a member is some achievement. Because I'm telling you, it's, that's a work of man. That is not of God. And so, what happens here? Verse nine. Oh, and the principles of the world—we we got that right. We get these things coming and f- sweeping in, uh, these these latest trends and tr- and trends and stuff, and it, all kinds of crazy things going on in the church. Then and are going on today. I mean, there's just, it's just—it's insane. Versus keeping their eyes on Christ. And then verse 9 and 10. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. If you do not have anything circled in your Bible. And I'm not telling you you have to circle in your Bible. I'm just telling you I have it circled in my Bible because... If someone comes to your door and knocks on your door and they have, it seems to be two men in a white shirt with a little badge. I don't, just saying, it just seems to be the most popular. And they show up your doorstep and they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. Take them to these verses. Because right here is very clear. In him, Jesus dwells all. How much is all? All, everything. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's God in the flesh. And if you don't understand that, you do now understand that today. If there should be no question in your mind, is God really God in the flesh? How does that all work? I'm not sure. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Keep coming. Keep showing up. Regardless of how you feel, just keep showing up. And as we continue through the Word of God, and as you continue to read the Word of God, all of this is going to come together. You might just still be on the back crying weeping, I'm a little baby Christian and we'll keep feeding you. Just keep coming because you will understand that Jesus is everything. He's the fullness of the Godhead. If you've seen me, you've seen the if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? So we're going to go back to the basics here. The fullness is there. You are what? Complete in Him. You're complete in Christ. Your relationship, He's in you, you're in Him. You're complete. You who is in the head of all principality and power. The question is very simple. I'm not a simple kind of guy. When I sit there and I say, He's complete. I'm complete in Him, and who, who is the head of all principality and power? Why would I choose anybody else? Principality and power, as you know as we study the Scripture, is good and bad angelical beings. So Jesus is all over over all beings. These Gnosticisms, these Gnostics, and others would come in and say, "You know now you have to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the devil." And there's churches that constantly are talking about demonic forces and let's be, you know, exorcisms and, and all kinds of things that go on in their churches. Because their focus is on, oh, angels. Isn't she, isn't she beautiful? Even though they didn't know the scriptures that nowhere in the Bible is an angel is a female. It's all of animals, right? So, again, they, you, you can tell their depths. You know, you have grace. They're just not learning it. And they're just, continuing they continue to go and they'll realize the, the truth of, about angels. But they focus on angels, They focus on demons and Satan. They focus on Satan. They get wrapped up and get paralyzed because of the demonic forces that they came from. That was the past. It doesn't dictate your future. Let it go. Don't dwell on it. Focus on Christ because he's walking. Just walk with him. Just follow him. And you will walk away from anything that's demonic and dark because he's not going to go to dark. He's going to go to, he's light. You want to get rid of the drug problem? You want to know the solution of this community for our drug problems? It's not more programs. It's you and me going out one by one telling them about the good news that they can be set free. Hello? Do you think I was joking? Do you realize there is no other way? The government's tried it. The programs have tried it. And anyone here who's had a problem with drugs, they know it came to the fact that they give their life to Christ and they kept walking with them until they're rooted and built up and established. And now they're abounding in life with joy and thanksgiving and peace. And everyone that looks at their life and says, you used to be a drug addict? I want the solution. I hope your life and my life is a a light and salt to those who are dry because they're going to ask, how did you do it? And here's the answer. You ready? I am completing Christ.